Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there's panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there's sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. health podcast raising unanswered questions sharing unanswered prayers we are faith-based peer-led story-driven and stigma breaking i am tony roberts i am eric riddle and we are revealing voices Okay, Eric. This is a first time for us. We uh, are separate and yet together, which is kind of kind of the spirit of the age here. Tony and I live about a ten minute walk away from each other. Yeah, but I am currently under a seven day isolation uh, recommendation. I'm not under martial law, but uh, it's right. uh, I have a. Uh, Basically, it was a bacterial infection that has lasted long enough that they wanted me to take antibiotics and wait till it's all over. And yes. I'm not uh, wasn't able to get a test. I'm like a, a, a many million of Americans who don't have access to a test of coronavirus right now. But uh, yeah, I, I've been more or less in self quarantine mode. Um, at, since third, actually since Friday, um, like 10 days ago. Yeah. I've been out very little. I, I went to a local restaurant on Friday and did a carry out. I went to yep. work today to grab something from the office when nobody was there. Yep. I have spent a lot of time on my property outside doing gardening uh, just because, One of the best things you can do. Yeah, and I've actually contacted a lot of friends and said, hey, I've got salad, arugula, kale, peas, radishes, carrots in the ground now, and it'll be like six weeks. But I, I planted more in the last two days than I ever have at this time. I read a, a, on, online somewhere about victory gardens. You know, yeah. we need to need to go back to the spirit of the World War II where they had victory gardens to that is absolutely right give some hope you know give some hope in these dark times yeah Um, i I did a raised bed i was just doing that anyway uh, and got that finished about a week ago and i was gonna do herbs but those are summer crops and i was like you know what i'm gonna do some lettuce up there now and i'll mm -hmm. get herbs in later just use the ground make stuff give it to people Wash, of course, before. Doing yeah, that. wash. Yeah. But anyway, so we, yeah. So we want to address this virus situation, not from the perspective of a, uh, you know, healthcare model, but from the perspective of mental health and how it's impacting people we know and us and 
what can be done to alleviate some of the symptoms that are aggravated by the uh, by the virus, right? Um, as well as some changes in the way we we do mental health care and spiritual nurture in in this particular climate. So, um, Eric, do you want to share some thoughts? Tony, we are calling this passing peace in a pandemic. Right. And I think that's very fitting uh, because it touches on the you know, spiritual imperative to be at peace with our brothers and sisters. Uh, and you use the right word. I mean, it touches on it. We, we had there in church, in some churches, they have this, this element of passing the peace where you go around and shake hands and, Clearly, we're at a, a period of, of time where you don't do that. And uh, right. you also don't get together for worship. I mean, we our worship communities are streaming through Facebook and YouTube and other websites. And, uh, you know, the whole way we do church uh, is transformed. Jen watched, I think, four different sermons yeah. today from yeah. friends and our pastor and it's good you know it's it is these you are know, the it, times it's... that pastors um you know are really called on to do do their work you know it is people look I for think the pastors a friend of mine and i were talking about you know is this really worship when you sit and watch something or listen to something his contention that it is it isn't worship but it's it's the best we can do right now you know and you know that's that's acceptable i he was speculating on okay when this thing dies down how will it affect the way we do worship and you know we may see you know the idea of gathering in a crowd kind of fall by the wayside you know, mm. we, we may go back to uh, something like the model of the earliest Christians where they hid together in small groups. Mm. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, we we may be seeing a, a transformation of the church. Yeah. I, from my perspective, you can absolutely worship outside of the four walls of the church building. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree with that. I just think in terms of being together as Christians, the fellowship aspect, mm. his, his point was that you can gather, you can worship when two or three have gathered in the name of Christ, mm. but you can't worship in isolation, mm. you know? Well, you know, the last two nights, this is a little bit of a different subject, but the last two nights, my friends have set up a Zoom uh group, you know, and at 830, you know, whoever was available jumped on and, yep. you know, there were six or seven of us and we were talking and all of us, you know, had the video feed so we could see each other. For me, it was not that much different from being in the same room with them. I mean, obviously right. it, it is right. definitely different, but the mm -hmm. fellowship was there. Well, and the more interactivity you have, the more uh, this 
occurs. You know, basically what, what my friend was referring to was basically, you know, live streaming a pastor alone and then a congregation at home watching it. Um, yeah. If you don't have that level of interactivity and maybe video and a live feed like with uh, a Zoom or a Skype like you and I are doing now is uh, is fellowship just like uh, we we know it uh, in in person or maybe again, maybe it's as good as we're going to get, you know? Yeah. The disciples I, didn't have the luxury of Skype or Zoom. No, that's right. And uh, the letters took a long time to get there. And, uh, right. you know, they uh, it was a whole different way of communicating. But, you know, that, I mean, basically the transformation of church started, you know, it started in the synagogue mm-hmm. and, uh, and then it was like when Christians gathered, they had to be in hiding. Right. And then there were these letters that were sent from, you know, basically cell group to cell group. So mm-hmm. you know, the letters became scripture. So there was, there was, uh, a, you know, uh, all this transformation and, you know, we're, we're at a point of transformation. So I, I'm, I'm a mentor, uh, for a confirmation student and we both had a homework assignment and it was to take your favorite verse from the Bible and write down what that means to you and then read the entire chapter in which that verse is in and then read the chapter before and after that and mine is from Ephesians 4, which is the scripture uh, of speaking the truth and love. Mm-hmm. And uh, my student, his is uh, do unto others as you would have others do unto you from Luke. Mm-hmm. And just reading those six chapters today was very powerful. Yeah. I, I've had as much spiritual nourishment today as I mm-hmm. have on any Sunday this year. Mm-hmm. I saw, you know, the pastor speak uh, this morning. That was very good. Mm-hmm. So let's shift gears a yeah. little bit and talk about how this uh, 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 coronavirus and the virus crisis is affecting people in their mental health and especially those with mental illness. Yes. Um I'll say I've been spending a great deal of time, um, the time that I have since I don't uh, have hours to keep for a job like you do, uh, basically from the moment I w- wake up until I go to bed at night, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm spent you know, composing, uh, writing to reach out to people, and then I contact people individually through texts and messages and, and phone calls. And just the question I always ask is, you know, how are you weathering the virus crisis? Right. You know, that, that's my uh, question. And I've gotten an amazing number of responses. It's very good and, for you to be uh, doing this, Tony. Well, you know, it's, it serves what I, what my calling is. Yes. And it, it's, uh, you know, it connects with my vocation because I'm writing this book uh, about, you know, hope for troubled minds, people who are loved ones of mm-hmm. those with 
mental illness. Uh, and I've just gotten, I've gotten some inspiring stories from people, but also some heartbreaking ones. Um, as you might imagine, this one woman wrote to me who is uh, a senior citizen. She's retired. And most, well, most, if not all of her income was based on, you know, retirement savings right. in the in the market. And now with this uncertainty and, you know, basically the mar- market going down and not knowing where it's going to go, she literally doesn't know how she will live. And she said in not so many words, well, pretty clearly that she would rather die than live without. Mm. And, you know, I, I did the, the check that you're supposed to do to see if she's suicidal. She wasn't suicidal, uh-huh. but, she, um, but she clearly indicated that she lacked hope that things could be bearable. Um, Mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, I've had some inspiring stories. Uh, people have told me, especially people who have struggled with anxiety as part of their mental illness. Um, uh, they have said, you know, well, we, we've really come into our element because the world is now feeling like we feel. And, uh, and I, I know what it's like and I can minister to others based on what I know. Yeah. You know, I've got a little, um, sentence at my man cave desk where I'm at a lot now that says we all have mental health struggles. Yeah. And you know, it's times like this where those, I think people who don't think they have mental health issues may see some of those you know, anxieties and s- sadness bubble up a bit more. And yeah. uh, that's okay. You know, I've, I've had a couple people reach out to me and it's like, am I paranoid? Because when I went out, I was anxious to sit down on a chair that was plastic. And I said, no, uh, you're not paranoid. That is a rational response, you know? Everyone out there is facing uh, this anxiety. You know, we're all Mm -hmm. seeing what the CDC has to say, what, you know, is being reported in the news by health officials, those sorts of things. And uh, in a way, that kind of natural anxiety keeps things at the top of our mind that we need to be doing. It is. And, you know, there's there's a a saying that, is kind of like a joke, only it's, it's so true, it's not funny, but that's, you know, um, it isn't paranoia, if it, if people are really against you, but in this case, it isn't paranoia, because the virus is really there. Um, And uh, you're right, I mean, there's, uh, there's cause for concern. And we talked a little bit about the, you know, how do we prepare without panicking? Right, you know, that's right. And being aware of when I was contacting people, it struck me that uh, probably the vast majority of them were concerned and confused, Mm -hmm. basically not, you know, knowing how they could protect themselves and their loved ones. But a, a very disturbing number were just dismissing this outright. 
Mm. You know, it's a political thing. You know, we're fine. Just wash your hands and it's not going to spread. It's going to be over in a couple of weeks. You know, all these things go flatly against what all the med- medical experts, you know, Dr. Fauci, his boss, Francis Collins, and the National Institute for Health, you know, all the people who know medical science are saying, you know, this is serious and it's going to last a while. And if we don't take very drastic measures, um, we're putting ourselves and others at risk. That's right. So <clears throat> how has this affected your own mental health, Eric? I have my, my waves of anxiety, no doubt about it. Um, I wouldn't say it's leading to depression as it naturally does for me. Um, I'm not having a problem with insomnia, which in my life has been the main indicator of emerging mental health issues. Uh, I'm, I'm actually not waking up to an alarm right now because I, I want to get my sleep. I think that's really important. You bet. Uh, I'm watching my health, uh, what I eat. I am getting my steps in. You know, I've had a Fitbit, and this month is actually my most average steps per Wonderful. day that Wonderful. I've had in a, a year. You know, the, where are you moving? Are you moving outside, inside, both? Well, I've got a bike down here in Studio E that I yes. I ride, and then I, I, I march in circles around our uh, our yeah. living room and family room and kitchen. I'll do that. Jen and I and, will march in place while watching. Yeah, you know, I, and this this has been really helpful. Uh, Jeff Goldblum on yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah, I, I highly recommend this to anyone who needs some comic relief. It is totally clean. It is the perfect mixture of like sarcasm, sincerity, and just goofy like body language mm-hmm. on a lot of Americana type. Uh, mm-hmm. topics i mean he's got ice cream as a topic and he i watched rvs was my last mm-hmm. one sneakers this is the show it's on disney plus yes so it's like the uh, world according to jeff goldblum i think and i think if i look into it but i think their disney is providing some access at low cost or even free for a month or more yeah uh, they released frozen too early yeah, yeah. People are making accommodations. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a great point, Eric. And these, these practices of, of, you know, providing um, I, a friend of mine, Les Rust, this goes out to the res, Reverend Leslie D. Rust. He came up with this. Yeah. Um, create, consume, and connect. And the create part is what we do when we make a podcast, when we write, when we do collage, when we mm-hmm. garden. Uh, yeah. uh, there's there's an expressive part of that. Yeah. Uh, compose or, or consume. He doesn't have in mind like unhealthy foods or anything, but basically, you know, good books, literature, you know, playful programs like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Um, not excessive, you know, scrolling on Facebook, but listening to, like you said, listening to uplifting messages. Um, right. 
so that's consume and then connect. And that's like your friends doing on uh, Skype, uh, like I'm doing with uh, the contacts I make. Right. Uh, you know, the, there's there's clearly a lot of things we can do, no matter what the level of our um, mental health struggle or mental illness is. Um, I want to talk a little bit, just bring up the topic of how this crisis is impacting um, the way we deliver mental health care. Um, early on when I saw that, well, actually, uh, I developed a, a bad cough before the, the virus was known to hit my state. So mm -hmm. I was a little alarmed, but come to find out, I just have a bacterial infection, but I'm under self-isolation. But already when I developed this and then there was the concern in the nation about the virus, I contacted my therapist and said, I want a uh, phone session. And at that point, this was just about 10 days ago, they were like, well, we're not prepared to do that. And I said, well, mm. if you can't do it, I'm not coming in. Right. But uh, not six days later, they called me and said, we want, you know, we're, we're going exclusively to, um, you know, telehealth yeah. calls. I talked with Steve, uh, uh, a gentleman from uh, Key Ministry, who's a child psychiatrist. And he's, he said, you know, used to, they had between 40, 50% of their services online, but now it's a hundred percent. And, you know, those kind of things may never change. I mean, that, and it may not be a bad thing. Telehealth, I have been saying for three years, yeah. is something that we need to embrace and embrace uh, quickly because it helps people who are afraid to go in to a yeah. mental health treatment center. It helps um, people in rural areas. Yep. Um, it helps people who can't get away from the office. Yeah, you know, and I would think it could be done with a little more of a turnaround for the therapist when you're not. Yep. Well, uh, I to think, go through all the. Well, I don't know, but I can't speak for therapists. But well, I, I, well, I haven't. I can't speak for therapists either. But there are still some like my, like my psychiatrist is 68 years old, and she, you know, she still uh, uses the computer by. Uh, you know, a, a, a shaking one finger on the, on the keyboard. <laughs> so Dr. Marchino, uh, yeah, Dr. Marchino, I love you. You're a great psychiatrist, but you stink at technology. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I think this delivery can, uh, there's still some flaws or shortcomings in it. For yeah. instance, I know people who uh, use telepsychiatry but they don't have the same psychiatrist every time mm. because, because it isn't set up for that yet. Right. Um, same with therapists, you know, you may have different therapists every time. So there can be improvements made in the, in the delivery of telehealth services. Um, but I think now is the time to make those improvements. Um, and we can see a, a, a better, service for people with health struggles and certainly mental health struggles as well. Yeah. You know, creativity is 
happens under constraints and we're yeah. under great constraint right now. And I think it will create a lot of innovation. It'll, mm -hmm. it'll happen. It'll yeah. happen quickly in many cases. I think telehealth is one area that's going to be emerging very quickly as a primary means of uh, clinical help. Yeah. One thing I also want to touch on is that, I mean, really, we're only two weeks into this uh, crisis mm -hmm. in the in the state. Certainly, well, in the in the United States, I think all of this has really started two weeks ago, and we're just now. Um, people as high up as as Francis Collins, the the head of the National Institute for Health, said, even with drastic measures, we could be looking at late summer, um, with right. also high casualties. So we're just I mean, we just got our toe dipped in the water. Right. Um, I'm making uh, no assumptions. No. And, and you know, we, we have to prepare for, you know, whatever eventualities are. So the question will become, you know, like right now, it seems you were talking about your kids. You know, right now it just seems like a, like a spring break. But down the road, we're going to look at the impact. It's unprecedented mental health struggles that mm -hmm. we're going to be faced with. The psychiatric world, the psychological world is not yet staffed enough to respond to the crisis. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, I really like that we're doing this, Tony, and I think it'd be good for us to be doing more of this. I agree. Uh, you know, normally I do a lot of editing on our shows, but, you know, we agreed for this one, we're not going to be doing editing. And, uh, you know, with, without that worry, we can churn out a lot more episodes. Yeah, and I'm going to put this in my social media, which I have more of a reach than, than you do, but we would really like to hear from people about what topics you would like us to address uh, and uh, ways to interact, you know, comments on what we say, uh, questions, challenges, yes, concerns. Yeah. One last thing from me. Uh, this is the season of March Madness in basketball. It is. is a cultural institution here in the United States. And especially Indiana. Right. And so what I did last night, I watched from 1992, IU versus the Shaquille O'Neal LSU. Ooh. And that was so much fun. Yeah. And I'm going to keep doing it. I, I was oh, looking yeah. at on YouTube. You can find national championship games from 81, 87, all that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to start watching. No commercials. So it yeah. only lasts like an hour and 20 minutes. You know, I'm really surprised programmers, and maybe they, they're doing this, but that would be a perfect opportunity with people having a captive audience, a perfect opportunity to rebroadcast classic March Madness. Absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised I, they're not doing it. I am very surprised. If I were a network executive, you know, I could be. But, you know, the Yankees have latched onto that. They have a Yes Network which does nothing but broadcast, you know, new Yankee games and old Yankee games. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it needs to happen. But I'm glad to hear you're, you're living out your who's your hysteria in 
They're all wins, way. too. They're all wins. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana never loses. We're going to be like 10-0 and 0 in really important games here. You you know, you know what you ought to watch is the the one that uh, where they played Michael Jordan's uh, Tar Heels. Yes. And Dan Dockage held Jordan under 10. In fact, I will watch that. Yes. I, I, I'm not sure he scored. He was he was definitely under ten. Yeah, the yeah. Sha- Shaquille O'Neal scored 36 points in that game, yeah. and he made every. He was like 12 for 12 free throws, totally oh, in the that's zone. Insane. <laughs> On the season, he was 50, percent but in that game, he made all of his free throws, just totally yeah. locked in. But yeah, IU won. That's yeah. great. So anyway, stuff like that helps me take my mind off all of this. Hey, what, say a, a few things, and then I um, I want to I want to close with a poem that I found. Yeah. We're we're at um, twenty nine minutes, Tony. What's that? We 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 are at twenty nine minutes right now. I I know this poem is just uh, really short, yeah. but it's essential that I put it in here. Sure, I poem. got it. Ready? Yeah. It's called "Lockdown" by Richard Ken- Hendrick. Yes, there's fear. Yes, there's isolation. Yes, there's panic buying. Yes, there's sickness. Yes, there's even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. Mm. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, Mm -hmm. to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that, yes, there's fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there's panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wait to the choices you make as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen behind the factory noises of your panic. The birds are singing again. The sky is clearing. Spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. Amen. And that is the lockdown by Richard Hendrick, Brother Richard Hendrick. Thank you, Brother Richard Hendrick. (laughs) Okay, Eric, it's been great. Let's Let's call it. That's Let's beautiful. Call it. Okay. God bless, brother. Yes.
Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com.